Okay, Father God, thank you, thank you for gathering us this morning, and uh, thank you that we have hope, and our hope is not in the things of this world. Yes, we have hopes here too, like everyone does, and uh, we have emotions, we have feelings, we have anxieties, we have fear. Um, when we turn our eyes away from you. We have all kinds of troubles, but Father, I thank you that we can set our hearts and minds on you and on the precious word that you've set before us. So Father, I pray that we would do that and not allow the affairs of this world to eclipse that. On the other hand, Father, I do pray that we'd have wisdom to live responsibly in this world and certainly also to maintain a witness to others, a testimony to others, that we might share with them our hope effectively, and that you might use that to draw them to yourself, some in saving faith, others back to confidence that they've left behind at some point in the past. Father, I, I pray for all of us here and all of those we are in contact with, that we'd be a, a, a light, uh, and that they would be a light in the darkness there's so much darkness, so many lies, so much confusion, so many um, have a uh, false sense, an unreal sense of what's happening in the world. They don't even understand what's obvious. We talk to people who are in denial entirely as to what's actually occurring. But, Father, uh, I just pray that they would come to know, many would come to know in these days, and that you would use this all for our good. We know that you're working all things together for our good, and we do thank you for that. Please bless us uh, now as we continue on, and we look forward to see how you'll work, Father. Pray for our nation and its leaders and our president and all those that serve, that they might serve honorably, that they might have wisdom to guide and lead, that they might encourage many others to take the responsibilities they need to take as individual uh, citizens of this great nation. And Father, I pray that uh, any failures in the past uh, in our medical system or in our uh, other areas of government might be remedied quickly, at least sufficiently, to deal well with this current crisis. And Father, it is one that we know that there are global implications and uh, many things could happen. Father, I pray that our hearts and minds not, might not be set on those, but on you. And we look forward to our study in your word now. May it be a blessing to us. Amen. Amen. Well, we get to continue today. It's a blessing. It's uh, a privilege to open God's word together. And uh, I don't know why I had a movie on my mind uh, that doesn't relate much at all to the theme here, but in a sense it did. So the, uh, the title today is The Blessings of Pastoral Fellowship and Care. From now until eternity, not from hill, not from here <laughs> to eternity, but famous movie, but from now <clears throat> until eternity, the blessings of pastoral fellowship and care. Uh, just a quick review from last time. Uh, I 
We'll read two verses that I think summarize so much and really should be very encouraging to us uh, today as believers under grace. Uh, Paul writes this to the Thessalonians in chapter 2. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So the... Uh, Example of how God worked through Paul and then, and then through the Thessalonians who had received his preaching, became believers, were delivered from the world and uh, were given a testimony and then they reached out to others. And the effect of that was great persecution came upon them. Uh, that is uh, the way it goes. Uh, all those who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But what we see recounted here in Paul's words there in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians is uh, that the work of God was a great work, right? God used men and women and children, but it was a great work, the work of the Lord God. And the power of God was in the gospel. Uh, it was the power of God unto salvation and also sanctification. In the second letter to the Thessalonians, in verse 13, Paul writes about how God has chosen you. He's writing to the Thessalonians. God has called you or chosen you by the sanctifying of the spirit and the belief of the truth. So not only the belief of the truth, also the sanctification. God's work, in this case, through the spirit of God, sets us apart unto him. So that we would have a testimony to be shared is only to be expected. Of course, every believer should and uh, really uh, is called upon to be bold for the Lord in testimony. In, in both the first and the second chapters, and really in all of these chapters, at the end of each one, there is a, a specific focus on the return of the Lord. And so we already saw that in chapters one and two, but uh, Paul writes about how important our hope is. See, the, the believer to, has a hope. Um, Paul had preached about that when he was with the uh, believers in Thessalonica, right? And they were patiently waiting for the return of the Lord, and they were so focused on the return of the Lord in the midst of their great trials, and it was really carrying them through, as it were, but Satan got an advantage or uh, was certainly working to gain an advantage over them. False teachers had come in to the group after Paul left and had taught them in ways contrary to what Paul had already uh, told them. So uh, confusing them as to the return of the Lord and how that would work. So Paul had preached boldly to them the pre-tribulational return of the Lord, but now things have gotten very uh, troubled there in their midst, and they've come to believe, at least some, some of them, maybe many, 
that they would have to go through great tribulation. Uh, that Paul's teaching was not true, that the Paul's teachers, in fact, had a better view on things, and that was causing their hope to be transformed into fear and anxiety. What Paul writes is that, <clears throat> yes, the Lord is coming, and our joy is in you and our gathering together with you at that time. So even if things are so difficult now that the consequences, death by martyrdom, for example, or if you die for other reasons, we'll all be together when Christ calls us to be with himself, okay? And those that endure and don't uh, die first will be caught up to be with the others who've gone before and with the Lord. So that's his encouragement here. He says, you are our hope. You are our joy. You are our crown of rejoicing. He says, don't forget it. Okay, so we're in the same situation. Are, are we, I mean, you may never have thought of it this way, but are we Paul's joy and crown of rejoicing? Well, we are if we're believers, you see. And that's something to keep in mind. We're all together in this uh, and uh, can have a, a, a constant expectation regarding the return of the Lord. Okay, our outline today will be in chapter 3. And the outline is trials and tribulations are to be expected but never gives Satan the victory. Okay, Satan wants to disturb us in our walk. He wants to destroy our hope. Don't let him do it. Don't let him steal away your joy in the Lord. Okay, so trials and tribulations are to be expected, but never gives Satan the victory. Secondly, our sense of well-being is often dependent on others' well-being. We're together in a group. We're together in families, right? We're together in, in groups of believers. We have friends who don't know the Lord that we're together with, right? It is just a human fact that our sense of well-being is often dependent on others' well-being. We'll, we'll see again how that was so true with Paul. It's true for us as well. It's not a negative as long as we manage it well and uh, in accordance with our faith, right? It's not a negative. It's a positive to be well connected to others. And finally, then, this is just a promise. <laughs> our blessings shall abound from now, meaning even in these times till eternity. Okay, from now until eternity our blessings shall abound okay that's a promise of god to you and to me okay so first of all trials and tribulations are to be expected never give satan the victory satan wants the victory he he wants you to in effect and me to in effect worship him instead of the lord god right and to believe lies instead of the truth that's what he wants. And as soon as we take our minds and hearts off of the truth, we will go astray. So let's start out um, by uh, 
a reading here in, uh, and I'd like Linda to do, th do that, in chapter 3 of First Thessalonians, verses 1 through 5. Linda? Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we would suffer tribulation, even at even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Oh, thank you, Linda. Well, <laughs> this is really very, um, well, I would say certainly interesting, no question about that. But it's also challenging, right? Because of the message Paul is bringing there to them. Now, he'd been very concerned because he had heard about the false teachers coming into the church there. And uh, he was very concerned. He felt um, things that only he maybe could feel. After all, he was the father of, of their faith, uh, in a sense, right? Uh he really did feel in his heart for them. His heart was beginning to be broken when he heard how they were in such a disarray and uh, had so failed uh, in their faith uh, in the Lord to uh, properly care for them in ways that only God can, right? Uh, when you're in great trial and tribulation, uh, your mind uh, can be a dangerous thing, right? And so he was very concerned. So he sent Timothy. Well, Timothy was his right-hand man in the faith. He sent him anyway. He was left alone uh, in Athens. He wrote this from Athens, or about the time when he was in Athens. He, and so Timothy was sent off to Thessalonica to find out what was happening and to be an encouragement for the brethren there in Thessalonica. Timothy then returned and brought good news to Paul, and but there were some issues, right? But Paul was greatly rejoicing with the good news that Timothy brought back. And that's what he writes about here. Uh, but he says, let me tell you something. These afflictions that you're undergoing, this persecution, remember I told you about it in advance, okay? I told you you were going to come into this time of great trial. Paul had received a prophetic word from the Lord regarding the future. And he told these believers what the Lord had told him. Okay, so he says, we are appointed thereunto. So no man should be moved by these afflictions, he said. What he means is, if you know the future, because the word of God has come to you. That changes the present. If it doesn't, then you're not taking God at his word. Okay? So basically he's saying, as believers, and in this particular case, there was a great trial that he even knew about in advance because he'd been told by the Lord. He said, you know, we know these things are all part of what what is going to occur here. Right? There's no way to avoid this. It is just 
the way it is, right? It's all plan of part of the way God is working under his plan. So as a result, they're supposed to respond knowing that uh, these things are part of the plan of God. Sort of like us, we're in a difficult circumstances now and then, right? No doubt. And now even more uh, at the current time than maybe a month ago. But nevertheless, um, we also have the promises of God. So how many times do you think over the circumstances you're in and your mind then dwells on Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? For all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose, right? Okay, so God is working all things together for our good. That's a promise. Is that affecting your present mindset? Well, it certainly should be, and we should be comforted. And so that's what's happened here. Paul's writing to them. He's comforting them. He begins by comforting them in a way that you might consider harsh and maybe unfeeling when he actually says, we're appointed to this, okay? And yet, if you can't see reality as it is, then you're in real trouble. So he wants them and he wants us to know the truth of exactly what has happened. Trials and tribulation in this world are to be expected, not the opposite. However hard or wise you may be preparing, uh, you cannot expect what is ordained by God to just sort of disappear or to be avoided. Uh, certain things can be through wise living, but not not always, not everything, right? Okay, now he goes on, he says something else here, and I think it's very significant. And that's found there in, uh, in verse 5. He says, I was concerned about your faith because I was thinking that maybe the tempter had tempted you. Maybe the tempted, the tempter has tempted you and our labor be in vain. Well, you might think, and I could read this uh, superficially and think, oh my, that's a real uh, tough one, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, why does he think that maybe we've been tempted by the tempter? Well, because the enemy is seeking those that he may consume, right? He is a roaring lion. He's doing his best to seek us uh, for himself, right? And he certainly was doing that in regard to the Thessalonians. And so uh, that's just a fact. And you'll remember in the previous chapter, Paul said this was even true of he himself. He said, we would have come to you. This is second chapter two, rather, verse 18 of First Thessalonians. We would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Okay, so Paul knew well uh, the the uh, methods and techniques of the evil one, right? Uh, and so he's concerned for the believers in Thessalonica. Now, what about Satan and his um, opposition? Um, I would like Tom to read to us concerning that. Uh, even the Lord Jesus himself was tested by 
Satan and the Lord God allowed that for a purpose, right? So, Tom, would you read to us that in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4? Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards and hungered. And the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> that That is something we should never forget. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Okay, so <clears throat> the tempter challenges the Lord with these words. If, if thou be the son of God, and actually he's really not doubting and he knows exactly that he is. He's saying, well, you're the son of God, so you, you therefore command these stones to be made bread. And we might think, well, what a perfect opportunity for the Lord, right, to show Satan. Indeed he is, right? And plus he'd been uh, on a fast for 40 days, so my, my, he certainly needed the food, right? His human nature was craving that, okay? Um, and he could turn the stones into bread, right? Of course. That would be for the Lord Jesus the easiest thing to do. But it would be a problem, okay? <laughs> because, see, Satan was attempting to dictate in a subtle way, right? He's saying, you're the son of God, just just prove it, plus it'll, it'll meet your need, right? <laughs> well, yeah, promises had been made, even prophetically, concerning the son of God, right? And, uh, but but what, what Satan was doing and what he always does is to take the truth of God out of context and to twist it, right? But what the Lord does in response to Satan's challenge is to quote the word in context exactly as it was intended. So he quotes from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 2 and 3. And I'll just read there. Uh, this is a statement uh, concerning the children of Israel in the wilderness. Okay. Uh, 40 years in the wilderness. Well, <laughs> interesting. It's 40 days. The Lord has been in the wilderness. Hmm. 40 years, the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? They've been brought out of Egypt by the powerful and great hand of the Lord God through Moses. Now they're wandering for 40 years due to their unbelief, right? They're not yet in the promised land. And uh, they, he gives the reason for the wandering that the Lord God might find out what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not, because they promised they would, and the Lord knew they wouldn't. But they needed to have it proven to them, and so they're wandering. And verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. 
So the Lord uh, confronts Satan's challenge directly. Uh, and the way he does it is by quoting the word of the living God that applies to this specific situation. And, and the word that he quotes doesn't say anything about the Lord changing stones into bread. In fact, the focus of it is rather uh, different. He says, um, um, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God is how man must live. And thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay, so Satan's defense is to quote scripture in context. And that's, a, that's the example I'd like us to take from this. If only we would always rest in the revealed word of the living God. And of course, rightly divided. I mean, we, we must not misapply it or take it out of context. If we would do that, uh, Satan would not be able to take advantage of us. And that's what the Thessalonians needed to know. They had begun to believe what false teachers had taught them about the return of the Lord instead of relying on what they had learned through Paul. What Paul taught them was the word of Christ to them. And that's a great message for us today. Don't allow the messaging that's in the world system, and you're certainly seeing it everywhere now, right? Don't allow the messaging that comes from the prince of this world gets filtered through Congress people or, or leaders here or there, politicians, whatever, right? Uh, <clears throat> who say they only care about our well-being, but we know otherwise, right? So as was pointed out here earlier in, in our earlier discussion, the greatest threat is that uh, the enemy uh, take control of the minds and hearts of the people during these times. And may we uh, have a day of prayer uh, indeed today and encounter that, right? Okay. <clears throat> Secondly, now, our sense of well-being, and we're, we're talking here on the human level, okay? Our sense of well-being is often dependent on others' well-being. And so that was the situation Paul was in. Uh, he he really, really wanted to know about the Thessalonians. He sent Timothy to find out and uh Timothy came back and gave him a pretty good report, uh, sufficiently that Paul was able to give thanks uh, over and over on their behalf. Um, and uh, so we see that here in, uh, in these verses in chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. And I'd like you to ro read that for us, Roy, if you would. First Thessalonians 3. Verses 6 through 10. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are conformed, comforted, over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, 
for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is like of your faith. Okay, thank you, Roy. So those last words are the key words here. Night and day pray, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. There's, there's little that Paul judges them for failure, uh, little areas of failure. But the key one here is that their faith may have been turned upside down, at least in the respect of their their hope for the Lord's return. Okay, so what what's happened is uh, easy to understand. You see, uh, some time has passed since when Paul was there, and uh, they were expecting the Lord uh, would come soon. And, and they, they knew from Paul's teaching that before the great tribulation, they would be delivered. And yet now, not only have they come into great persecution, but some of the group, some of the family of God have died. They're going to be with the Lord before the Lord uh, returned. Okay. And so the false teachers take advantage of this and, and uh, teach that Paul uh, was teaching falsely. What Paul taught was wrong. They're going through the great tribulation uh, and so forth. What Paul now is writing to them is that, uh, no, you're not. The persecutions are something even for now that we should expect. But make sure your faith isn't turned upside down regarding the return of the Lord. So he wants to perfect their faith there's something lacking and he wants to remedy that by teaching them the truth uh, here in this letter okay so uh, now notice he also re-emphasizes the fact that they really care about him they've made that clear through timothy they do i think the reason why he mentions it here is that it's very important that they take his word in this letter to heart as the word of God. Okay, it's very important. And he says, I'm really encouraged as a result. I believe you will. You will receive uh, what we uh, are teaching here as the word of the living God. Now, God is able to turn around uh, our trials in such a way that we do cleave to him by faith. We know that. I mean, these believers here, they had turned from idols to serve the living God, right? So this issue that's come up, Paul hopes it'll be quickly passed and they will have their faith then uh, perfected, right? Uh, I can't help but think of something from the Psalms. I mean, David David had been uh, running from Saul, you remember, and at a certain point in that, when there was little hope, uh, Saul's armies were at the doorstep, as it were, of a cave, in fact, where David was. And uh, in Psalm 30, which seems to be composed at that time, 
Paul writes these words, Psalms 30, verse 11 and 12. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. My mourning into dancing. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. <laughs> Psalm chapter 30, verses 11 and 12. That comes to my mind right now as we consider these words written in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Well, in verses 8 and 9 here, he says, Now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. <laughs> wow, uh, what a statement, huh? And that's how we feel about others that we minister to, right? We live <laughs> abundantly, as it were, if they stand fast in the Lord, okay? It's just a fact. Uh, God has bound us together with them. Their spiritual well-being uh, relates directly to ours. But of course, our hope is in the Lord, and we must never let Satan steal away our joy. Okay, so that's our second point here. Um, let's uh, remain focused on the truth of God and our connections with others are for their benefit and for all of our glory together. We're bound together with them, just like Paul was with the Thessalonians. Okay, the third point. Whatever the trials are, our blessings shall abound. It's a promise from God. <laughs> it's in the now time from now, in the present days, right? Whatever their challenges, even into eternity, from now until eternity. So, First Thessalonians chapter 3, Patty, I'd like you to read that, verses 11 through 13. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, that, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Oh, we have to all say amen there. <clears throat> wow. Um, <laughs> so Paul starts out here, <clears throat> finishing up the chapter. It's really like his prayer, right? When he says, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He's saying, may he direct our way unto you. This is his desire right? It may not be true. He's already said Satan had interfered, right? Um, Paul did not know if how long that might continue, or it may never be possible. In fact, I don't know whether it was possible or not for him to get back to Thessalonica. Perhaps not, right? Um, but uh, he's hoping with kind of an earthly hope. It's his desire, because he knows it will be for their benefit and his, if only they can be together face to face, right? That's Paul's uh, desire. That's his prayer. Um, in his view, that would uh, advance 
the ministry and the work of the Lord, right? Uh, but notice in verse 12, he says, and the Lord make you to increase. So they're already in a position where they can be instruments of God. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love toward one another, right? And toward all, even as we do toward you, okay? So the Thessalonians have this privilege to show true love to all, right? That's the love of God. They have it because the Holy Spirit dwells within them, and this is merely fruit that the Holy Spirit will bring forth, right? Now, it's true of them, it's true of us in the same way exactly, that if we do not turn off the path of grace into the realm of the flesh, right, then the love of God will abound in us, right? And uh, I'm reminded uh, of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says his ministry was to write on the tablets of their hearts right, by the Holy Spirit. So Paul preached to the Corinthians and taught them for, what, 18 months, okay? The end result was that the Spirit of God was working on the fleshly tablets of the heart, to make the Corinthians a light in the darkness, to bring forth their love for all, right? That that might be transforming. And that's exactly what uh, Paul is praying for here, that this might be true amongst the Thessalonians, that they might not be so um, anxious and concerned about the current time that their joy in the Lord has been lost along with the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, you know, you know them all, right? Okay, so that's Paul's uh, confidence that the Lord himself, may he work in this way in the Thessalonians. And then, uh, and if he does that, of course, uh, there'll be great, great, uh, blessing for all right in the now time in the present time okay even though they're going through these great trials and that isn't likely to cease very quickly right and the end result will be seen it manifested in eternity so that's what he's saying here in verse 13 to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before god even our father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Those that have gone before will come back with the Lord Jesus and we'll all meet up together in the air at that time, right? When we hear the call, the voice, and the shout, we'll be caught up not only to be with the Lord, that would be the greatest thing one could imagine, but also with our dear ones who've gone before. He says, be comforted. Be comforted. Don't let Satan attack you. This that I write unto you now, this is the word of the living God, right? Build up one another with this thought, okay, and with your confidence. So 
What we've seen today, as we looked into God's Word, are these three things in this chapter. It's a great chapter here. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. Yes, trials and tribulations are to be expected. They're ordained by God. However, we're in direct connection with others and in a mutual ministerial situation with believers. and With unbelievers, we are their lights. We're their source of the truth of God, right? And God is working through these connections. The body of Christ is a reality. So be encouraged, and when there are issues, be a benefit. Be a comfort to others who need your comfort shared with them. And then finally, all of this is the work of God. Our blessings shall abound from now until eternity. Okay? So true and authentic fellowship is of critical value. God uses that uh, day by day throughout all of our trials, whatever they may be. We cannot know in advance exactly how he might want to use us. You can make a guess, make an estimate based upon past experience and based upon the word of God that we study here. But there will be circumstances where uh, our light can shine in the darkness. May it be bold and not a flickering <laughs> light, right? A bright light. And finally, may our hope always be constant and in the Lord and directly focused on the promise that he is coming for us. He's going to call us. It could be today. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay. Are there any comments? Probably all of you would like to share something today. But if not, that's fine too. Any comments before we go to the Lord in prayer today? Well, the next week could be important uh, in many ways in our lives as things will develop here with uh, this uh, biological threat, right? But we've all faced biological threats before, right? Yes. And we have the Lord who's with us, right? Any comments before we uh, close today? Father God, thank you. Thank you for blessing us with your word. And uh, may each one uh, within the sound of my voice uh, take this scripture from the Apostle Paul to heart. Thank you, Father, for Paul and his ministry to the saints. Thank you for blessing us with this word that you've preserved and now brought again to our remembrance. Father, may, may it be... Uh, overwhelming in his power towards us. May it change our days and moments. May we see that truly the word of truth is the power of God unto salvation and unto sanctification. We're as believers in that realm, Father, so we know that you're in the process of sanctifying us. And you do that through circumstances as well. So, Father, I just pray that you would comfort us. May we be a light in the darkness and a benefit to others. And certainly may others be a benefit to us. And a great blessing. 
And we look forward to being joined together in heaven's glory. In Christ's name, Father, and amen, I pray.